Hello and Happy New Year from the Movie Graveyard. To kick 2020 off, I thought it would actually be cool to, you know, reach into the vault, pull out a rare gem that not a lot of people have heard or at least haven't heard in a while. About five years ago, me and some friends started a morning talk show called The Zoo Crew. And uh, one of the episodes that was, like, really cool that came out of it was we, me and actually Corey, who all you guys know from this show, we actually interviewed... Uh, Rob, Glenn, and Jonathan, three guys who ran three different uh, independent film distribution companies, you know, putting out DVDs and stuff like that, releasing the, you know, video on demand, all that stuff. So we had a pretty good chat with these guys where they really kind of were really completely honest and candid and talked about, you know, what it's like to run a home video company releasing, you know, rare, obscure, unheard of independent cult films. So uh, I thought it'd be cool to actually pull that episode out, let you guys hear it, because I think it probably, you know, even though we did this uh, interview a few years ago, still a lot of the information is really timeless and it's really interesting to listen to, uh, a little bit of fun. But yeah, I think it'll definitely be of interest to uh, all you film lovers to get an inside peek, you know, behind the curtain, so to speak. So without further ado, here it is. Hello, good morning, everyone. Thank you for once again joining the Slow Hand Radio Zoo crew. We hope you're morning drive to work is going great. We got a great uh, show for you tonight, um, or this morning, I should say. Maybe night, depending how early your commute is. But yeah, it's summertime, and you know, summertime is a great time for movies, and we, we figured we'd get a few people on here actually involved in the movie industry themselves. So uh, I'm the GOAT, as always, and I'm here with top newsman Corey G. Corey. How's it going today? Good. Oh, God, it's hot out here. All right, you want to go ahead and throw it to Jonathan real quick? Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm one of them microphone hogs. I'm here with my co-host from Vami, Mr. Jonathan Morkin from Apprehensive Films. Thanks. Happy to be here. Glad to be on the show. And, and today we're doing a, a special indie horror cult movie distribution podcast. And uh, with us, you know, I, I run Apprehensive Films, so I've been I've been in the distribution business for almost almost ten years now. And and then I've got uh, I've got Glenn Coburn with me. Uh, who uh, runs Wax Movies and also director of such classics as Bloodsuckers from Outer Space. And, uh, yes, and, and I, sh- I, should, I should mention that I've actually been uh, in, in the, the business for 10 minutes. So you have 10 years and I have 10 minutes. So at least um, there's a broad disparity between our experience. So hopefully people will defer to your judgment. Well, and, and, and I'll and, just but, but, say random things. And Glenn's been, uh, you know, I mean, directing movies for, for how many years now? When did Bloodsuckers come out? Uh, 1934 was the first <laughs> uh, release. And it, wa- it wasn't two-color, two-strip technicolor initially. and uh, But it, once it was uh, transferred to, uh, to one-inch tape so we could make the, uh, the VHS, then it, it was... Uh, the color was enhanced, and then, of course, since then, it's been, you know, it's been re-enhanced several times, so uh, it's really up-to-date, and uh, the, the sound is, you know, is just as, as, as clear as it ever was, so. It, it, it enhan- color enhancement for VHS, I love it. And then we also have with us tonight uh, Rob from Wild Eye Releasing. Rob, go ahead and introduce yourself. Hey, I'm uh, Rob Hauschild, Wild Eye Releasing. Uh, I guess I'm the, see, I guess I run it like you guys run your labels, right? Is, what is that, CEO? 
I always go by president because I feel like I, you know, I'm, 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 I'm very esteemed. But yes, oh, Mister Fancy Pants. Well, you could be. You, how about okay? Then I'm president and CEO, Ooh. and uh, COO and CEE and CPA and CFO and CDE and yeah, and I uh, strictly and HP. I strictly go by ringleader, ringleader <laughs> or head honcho. Glenn is such a Southern gentleman. You know, he comes on, he goes, I'm just going to defer to you guys. I've been in the business 10 minutes. You've been in the business for so long. You've been screwed over by so many distributors in your career that you well, can... Well, actually, it's, it's truthfully, thir- thir- 30 years, truth- truthfully. I mean, I, in, which I, I know shows my age, but I did make my first movie when I was 23. So I'm not elderly yet, although I, I could join... Uh, um, you have an ARP card? A-A-R-P. Yeah, ARP. Yeah. I was going to say NAACP, but no, I think it's ARP. I don't, I don't, I don't know. know. That Somebody sends me stuff. And... You can. All right, so we got. What was that Rob. again? Forget it. All right, Rob's a multi-hyphenate <laughs> over here with eighteen titles. Um, let's let's throw it back to the goat real quick because uh, this is the kind of dynamic I want to talk about on the show. The goat is uh, he's he's an independent filmmaker. He's uh, got at least one feature that I know of under his belt, Paranormal Camcorder. Where are you at uh, in, in, in the ways of filmmaking these days, The Goat? I mean, have you done more than one feature? Is, is your film out there? What, what do you have going on? Yeah, uh, Paranormal Camcorder is currently not out there. Uh, I'm just tidying up some sound things. Who was it that laughed? That was me, cousin. All right. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Yeah, it's, it, it's not out yet. I'm readying the script for what would be my third film. I had a small uh, action exploitation film called Down for the Dollar come out uh, around 2004. Uh, small uh, DVD video run. And then the, the one we got now, Paranormal Camcorder, we're looking to probably do something with it digitally, maybe possibly on disc, uh, definitely uh, before Halloween of this year. And yeah, getting ready to uh, hopefully do an action movie in 2015 coming up if uh, knock on wood, everything goes right. We got to get the Kickstarter to get me flown out to be the star of that movie. Yeah, the new one. Yeah, we, do, we can't do a, a martial arts extravaganza without the one and only uh, wrestling masked man, Corey G. Okay, that sounds like you're very, you got some good stuff going there. And, uh, you know, let's throw it over to Rob. Because Rob, uh, you know, uh, I know Glenn's handling some indie horror films, and I handle a lot of catalog stuff in, uh, with my distribution. I handle a lot of older, you know, kind of oddball cult movies. Uh, Rob, what kind of what kind of advice would you uh, tell the goat here on, on, his, on his film he's finishing up? What, what would be your advice to an independent filmmaker that's looking to... Uh, get his movie out there well it dep- well there, there's a there's a ton of it i mean <laughs> <laughs> what okay what do you want to do you want to say you know what i was thinking we should do to th- uh, jonathan glenn myself we should do like a uh, radio version of shark tank right now and have him come to <laughs> us have him come to us with this movie and then we'll kind of come at come back at him like distributors and and really you know n- not necessarily tear him apart but kind of say you know, give him kind of what the, what the industry sees when you bring a movie to them. Now, he's already had a movie distributed, so he's he's dealt with a distributor. Maybe he made money, maybe he didn't. Maybe he feels, uh, you know, he got screwed over. But uh, that's where I would start with you. I would say, okay, you have this new movie you're almost done with. Sounds interesting. I, I get it. It's a spoof, right? Um, your first film, 
what, who put it out? If you don't mind saying, it was just self distributed on DVD, pretty much okay. like a, like a small run. Yeah, it was it was a very uh, low budget sub thousand dollar action film. It was, it was more like a student film more than anything else. What was okay. it you like? Yeah, it was uh, eighty two minutes. We played. We had some local screenings. Uh, this would be in Cincinnati when I was living there before I moved out to the West Coast and stuff. And you know, did a small DVD run. Things went well. Before that, I used to distribute short films that me and my buddies would make on VHS. We did well with that. So, yeah, like I would say with this new one for the first time, I'm looking to go. I definitely want to go with a small distributor, like a genre distributor. But yeah, like definitely looking to reach uh, more people with this one. So what are your expectations for distribution? In other words, if someone did take it, what would you want to see back, if anything? Uh, in, in, in terms of finances and stuff, because it's pretty much a self-funded film that was, you know, is paid off a while ago. I'm not looking for, like, really that much return on it in terms of I would probably lean towards whatever the best distribution deal would be in order to get it out there because it's really the next one. Uh, the action film that's coming up that's going to have much higher production value. I'm, I'm really going to need a return on the next one. But this one, yeah, it's kind of like just get it out there because it's a really interesting and strange story line that this film has, really unique. So you're, you're, I think, so you're I think your perspective is, is dead on. Your perspective is dead on about the distribution you want is something that will get your movie out there because the reality of it is you're not going to make any money anyway. So you're either going to hand it to somebody who's going to make a lot of promises and then your movie's going to disappear and they're going to throw it on VOD and make 20 bucks a month and you're never going to get anything. Or you're going to find somebody like Wild Eye or somebody like me who's going to actually, if we want it, which who knows. I mean, anything I pick up, I, it's going to, it's going to be released, uh, have a legitimate DVD release and a minimum of 500 pressings and I'm going to do everything I can to get it into stores and to uh, you know I, I, because obviously that's for me that's that's why I'm doing this because I want to give uh, filmmakers an opportunity to get uh, exposure because it's such a tough you know thing to make money at this that, that it, yeah if you set out with something that you made for two dollars and you think you're going to get rich off of it and you're looking for that kind of a deal I mean a lot of people come into it with that perspective up front and they're really confused and they're they're going to have they're going they've got a lot to learn but if you're already at the point where you know that the thing that's important to you is getting you know a, a broad uh base distribution as, as much as possible so that a lot of people can see it um that's the greatest value of your movie uh because it can help move move you to the next step and you're right you're right you're absolutely right glenn like that that's the right idea because we are the equivalent i think the three of us are the equivalent of like a indie record label you know you're you want to get it out there get a little more and just keep taking steps forward now you said what was interesting go what you said was that well the next one's the one i need to make money on so i just want to get this out there so people kind of get a feeling for who i am and what i'm doing but the next one so what will you do to ensure that that next one makes money that's that's the important part and that's really good because most people make a movie, then hand it to someone like the three of us and want miracles. But they haven't put a name actor in it. They've got a $2,000 budget, so it looks like something that was shot in somebody's house and uh, or, you know, doesn't have good camera work, or, or whatever. You know what I mean? So that now that you're at the beginning stages, you can start making steps to say, what is it that the market wants? 
that I can actually have a chance of making money because there are no guarantees. It's a, it's a total crapshoot gamble. And, and the thing I see a lot with filmmakers that come to me is, is, is they got a hard on for a certain outlet and they're just, just headstrong for Netflix or they're headstrong for Comcast or whatever it is. And let right. me ask that on, on, on your film that you've got currently, Paranormal Camcorder, do you have you know, a certain spot you just, you just, you're just so focused on getting in and, 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 or, or the next one? Um, because that's the thing I run into a lot. And it's really tough for me to convince filmmakers that you know, Netflix is probably not going to buy your movie. Yeah, with the with the current one, Paranormal Camcorder, it's just one of those things. It's uh, this is a film that was in production for over three years. We had so many actors, and the thing is, is uh, I just want to get it in front of many eyeballs as possible because we had so many actors that did it for literally absolutely nothing. And these are people that. You know, have uh, you know, we're doing this little goofy camcorder found footage movie, which is what it was and what it was supposed to look like. You know, you know, it's kind of one of those things to ape the genre. You kind of have to make something very low, whatever. And we had people that were working nonstop in commercials, uh, doing uh, feature guest spots on network TV shows, stuff like this, and like for them to really put themselves in such a vulnerable position to be on in, in a found footage film like this with like a really like non-existent budget made over the course of three years it was just a big leap of faith on their part and i just would like to repay that by having their acting and their performances seen by as many people as possible so i really just want to go with somebody who really knows uh both sides of the coin in terms of digital and also still physical media. Uh, I would love for there to be a physical release like DVD or whatever, but uh, I, I really want to work with somebody who's just really understands where things are going and putting in a pipeline just to get as many eyeballs on Cause I really think the actors deserve to be seen in this film. And let me ask Glenn and Rob here, just since we have aren't you in that, aren't you the star of that film cousin? No, I'm a, I'm, I would say I'm probably the second lead. Why aren't you a fucking egomaniac? Oh, everybody in this movie needs to be seen. I forgot to tell you, I'm the star of this movie. <laughs> so when you say everybody, you mean you. Everybody's got to see the goat. That's what it is. That's, that's what you want. I, I would say my character uh, propels the storyline along, but if you want in terms of, if you wanted to count up the minutes of screen time, no, I'm not the star of it. No, nor would I want to be, because there's a lot more interesting things going on than than uh, my character or my performance. There's just really some great actors in this. And and uh, Glenn and Rob, I'm just yeah. curious, how many movies have you guys sold to Netflix? Oh, well, now the issue with Netflix is that <laughs> it, Netflix is a dead issue. There is a, none of us are ever going to have a movie that's going to go to Netflix streaming ever, period. Basically, oh. they put all their they put all their money into TV series. They don't care about. They certainly don't care about micro budget movies. Now, Bloodsuckers from Outer Space, when it was released on DVD by uh, Media Blasters on the Shriek Show label, of course, it ended up on Netflix because that's just you know the nature of things. But as, as far as selling D DVDs to Netflix. You don't make any money off of that anyway. I mean, they're going to order so few, and then they're going to everybody's going to rent it. and They're not going to have to pay for it. They're not going to have to buy it. Right. And uh, you just can't find that many. Cra you're not going to find any crazy, you know, mini budget movies uh, streaming on Netflix. It's just not going to happen. I mean, you know, the next thing you can hope is uh, the the big the big goal would be Redbox, and of course, not, that none of us have, have achieved that. I don't think. I don't. I don't. I, don't I know. I know. Rob anything. flirted with Redbox a little bit. I got actually. I've sold two titles to Redbox Instant, 
nothing, yeah, I've uh, had, nothing physical. Yeah, either. I've had two. I've had two on Redbox Instant, but that's like their Roku channel kind of thing. Yep. Um, but it doesn't really equate to the physical kiosk uh, stuff. That you know, that's the toughest nut to crack. And everybody's in line in front of you, and that includes all the you know the companies that have two hundred fifty thousand dollar to five hundred thousand dollar million dollar films. And I'm talking indie indie labels with yeah. indie horror. But these are indie horrors that might have, you know, Tony Todd's The Star or Robert England or something. So they're always going to take those over you because, you know, that's what it boils down to is what can you, you know, the, the people that run these places, uh, they're business people. Uh, they, they're, they're not interested in your art or what you're trying to say or your story as good as it is or as funny as it is. They, they just want to know what are you giving me that I can go and resell and make money on? Are you giving me something with you know, elements that mean it's going to sell. That's all they care about. So that's and, already and, and, and position your stuff that, that way. But the chasm between a mini-budget, micro-budget genre film and the next step up is so huge that unless you can raise, raise that 300 grand or, or quarter of a million, or, or, you know, whatever, three quarters of a million, put some names in it and give it a standard Hollywood production value. That means when they look at your movie and they listen to your movie, it needs to look and sound like something they've seen on television, uh, even, you know, like a sci-fi original movie, even something yeah. as, as basic as that. It's got to look like that because most of the stuff that, you know, guys do, and I mean titles that I pick up, they don't look like that. So um, I will say the skinless that's coming up that Dustin uh, Mills did has really slick, you know, production value in terms of it looks like a better than, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm releasing uh, Legend of the Hill, Hillbilly Butcher in uh, sometime September, and it has, you know, it's shot on an iPhone. Now, I'm not saying that publicly. I'll say it here because we, you know, none of us care, but it, it's, aw- it's an awesome movie, but it just doesn't look like something that you're going to see on HBO. Now, when you go back in time to like 30 years ago when I made Bloodsuckers from Outer Space, we, you know, you couldn't just take a camcorder and shake it around and make a movie. You know, it, we, it was shot on 16-millimeter film, and in order to shoot on 16-millimeter film, you have to have a gaffer who knows how to light it. You have to have a cameraman who knows how to, you know, frame it up and a, and a focus puller, and you have to have a sound man with a boom, with a nagra. I mean, it was like a, a, a you know, it cost 50 grand, which was which is not that much money, but, you know, so much of it was spent just on film stock, processing, work prints. You know, we had to edit it on a flatbed. You know, you've got 16-millimeter mag uh, stock for the sound. That you're, that, you know, you've got strips of everything you're, that are hanging, you know, and you've got to cut it all together. And it was, and then you have to do a sound mix, you know, on A-track or whatever you get. So that, that is a, was a very, very complicated process versus just shooting something on a camcorder and editing it on Final Cut or or Premiere on your computer, which I can do now, but I don't because, you know, it would be spending a lot of my time and and even even a little bit of money for something that I'm never going to earn any money from. Even if I did something really wonderful, you know, I mean, I know what the results are going to be because unless I can raise a half a million dollars to do a real movie, then, you know, I mean... I mean, even if you can shoot on a red camera or Cine Alta or a, um, you know, um, a whatever else people are using now that 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 looks like a motion picture camera, the the, the the product does. Now you can shoot on a DSLR. I mean, you know, if you get a 5D Mark II, you get a couple of bodies, you know, and uh, some good, you know, glass. You can shoot uh, a movie that looks 
practically like film, you know, and that would be my recommendation. But then once again, you're going to have to have somebody who knows how to focus the lens, you know, and you're going to have to have somebody that knows how to run separate sound and you're going to have to sync it up and it's, and then you're going to have to have somebody who knows how to, you know, gaff it and, you know, light it. And you could really, that's the best way to come up with a, with a movie that looks like a real movie is shoot it on a DSLR, you know, preferably 5D Mark II. That's the most accessible. You can shoot high def, um, full high def, 1080i. You can, um, um, it's, it's easy to manage the files. Um, there are a lot of details that you have to know about how to operate the camera, and it is complicated, but you could produce something that looks like a real movie with that. And I've seen there are several movies out there that, that are shot uh, that way on DSLRs that are actually released. You know, I know somebody here in Dallas who shot one that was that was released theatrically that went that, that, that uh, you know, won an award at the Tribeca Film Festival and, you know, had... Uh, a name, a couple of names in it, yeah. and um, so you can do you can do that. But as long as you're just hold, having having a little video camera, you know, a little uh, you know, Sony, um, what is it, V one U or whatever the hell those kind of cameras, which I used to have, it's just going to look like TV, you know. And, and the DSLR stuff is very impressive. I've seen a, a, a lot of stuff that's shot, and those looks really good, but. Um the other thing I was going to mention about the Redbox deal is, 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 is if you look at the scheme, the marketplace for movies today, I mean, you have an oversaturation of indie movies and way less consumer demand for them. I mean, it's, I mean you look at Redbox. Redbox is what, maybe 100 titles in it? I mean, look at what a video store had in it. A video store had thousands of titles. So, I mean, this is it. I mean, to, to get those big sales in the, in the indie market, I mean, the uh, you know the, the rental market's always been key to, to, to labels and filmmakers making a lot of money, and the red box market now is, is you're competing for one of 100 slots, you know, and you know versus you know I mean there is still family video, uh, but they're you know the last remaining actual video sort of chain that I know of. Um, I mean, the record stores have kind of picked up some of that slack, but n- not in the rental department, not in the rental department at all, and I think that's but like part of with, what we've seen with lately. Kind of, matters. With Bloodsuckers from Outer Space, uh, uh, Lorimar and, and Warner Home Video sold, sold 60,000 units of that movie. It was in every rental department of every video store across the country because at that time, in 1984, 85, 86, the big studios had not yet gotten on board. They didn't really believe that home video was, that anything was going to happen. It was like a fad because they're always behind the curve, the, you know, and um, so at that time, there was a huge demand because everybody had VCRs and they wanted movies. So you'd go to the very first Blockbuster video was here in Dallas, not far from my house. And it was one store and it was full of everything. I mean, you could get all H.G. Lewis films. You could get all John Waters films, you know, Fellini, Truffaut, uh, Henry Jaglin, just whatever. You know, I mean, it, it was just it was a huge library of everything. And then you'd look on the board and it would say on Friday and they would have like four titles that were, you know, Hollywood titles that had been released theatrically nine months earlier. And then now they're coming to the, to the video store. And so people are like, oh, my God, I got to come in early on Friday and get my copy of that. But in the meantime, you had thousands of, of titles in that store that were not big Hollywood releases. So. That's why something like the movie I made and other movies like that 
got such a big release because there was a there was a hunger for product. There was not enough product, and it cost too much to make movies, so that they, that, that there were a limited number of people who could actually pull it off. Whereas now anybody can make a movie, and everyone has made a movie, and there's no place for it anymore because yeah, everybody so the, wants it's, to. The, it's it's tilted. It's the exact opposite of of the '80s VHS boom right now. You know, we have we don't have the slots, the retail slots for them, and there's there's way too many movies. Right. Um, so- so your retailers, your, you know, your VOD outlets, your, your rental places, what, what's left, and also internationally, these buyers, these people who take in films for their outlets, they are pickier than ever. They can choose whatever they want. They are in charge. So Redbox, tells your cover looks like Redbox. They're looking at A-list. Film. And I got to tell you, not to make things sound sound bad for anybody or depress anybody with this podcast. Well, it <laughs> sounds it sounds depressing. Yeah. Uh, Please go right ahead, now, Jonathan. It is. Well this is not a, this isn't gonna make anybody feeling better. But um, you know, uh, I I'm working on clearing out uh, a title that I've got and a, a massive excess stock in and I just talked with the, the, the retail buyer for uh, uh, big lots this morning directly and they're like, no, nope, passing not not interested, doesn't look strong enough as a seller. And it's like, dude, it's like I don't know what's out there in, in the liquidation markets and the clearance markets right now, but there might be a lot of, you know, B uh, studio titles that are just filling it up because I'm like, man, it's, it's, it's actually getting hard to clear out some of the overstock that I have, which I didn't anticipate coming in. Just to let you guys know, so if, you have, if you're sitting on thousands and thousands of units of a title, you know, I know me and Robert emailed about this earlier, you know, recycling might not be the worst idea. Yeah, you break it apart. You recycle the discs. You recycle the plastic. I mean, that that's really the, that's the end of the line. You know, yeah. like that's the that's the life of your movie. But what, wasn't there a market though? I know there was a market in you know, like even ten years ago, where you, where it could go to the like the bargain bin, and you'd have a bargain basket or but everywhere. Uh, at Best Buy and every store, people kind of like pull out stuff for five bucks or whatever. Yeah, yeah, and that's, could, that, not, that, that doesn't even exist. Have you gone to the bargain bin? You know what's in there? Hollywood movies. With That's name what I'm saying. Actors. Even the bargain bin is a tough sell. Yeah, yeah a- the bargain bin is blockbuster with, like, huge $100 million movies. Now it's hard to compete. Yeah. There's, there's exactly. No- I mean, and, and, you know, not, not only that, you get the $5 movie, but it's four Charles Bronson movies on one disc for $5. So you're getting, yep. you know, you're getting... Uh, a uh, hundred, you know, two hundred million dollars worth of movies for five dollars. So, so Sadly, they're going to they're gonna come and take their same movie four movie. times. What's that? I said, but sadly, being you said Charles Bronson, you're getting the exact same movie just four different times. Well, but yeah, it's, but, it's, but, it's, but it's worth it. It's worth it. Believe me. You know, the thing that we can hope for, and I don't, I don't know, you know, is 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 for all of us because this is the only thing positive that can ever happen is if somebody can put together a channel or a cable, you know, channel or, or, you know, some sort of a network that will, that will be specifically dedicated to, uh, low budget indies so that, you know, people can go there specifically to see these kind of movies, because as long as we're competing with everything else, it's, it's, uh, they have them already. You know they have IFC, they have Sundance, and where do they play there? Well, you know? well, well, that doesn't that doesn't even count. I mean, it's going to have to be something that that go that, that actually could can, can take gonna, you know micro, micro budget movies. I mean, that no, stuff you, is all you know what, big. Yeah, I get, I get it, I get it, and and I you know I more than anyone have lost more money trying to support independent filmmakers and getting their movies out. So I'm not saying this from a, a mean place. But what what have you done yes, for me? You are. What they say. What have you done for me lately? You you start a channel 
and you play $2,000 movies, well, who's going to watch it? No one. And guess what? Exactly. The advertisers are not going to show up. Advertisers are not going to show up for that, and they're going to have a dead channel. So you know you have some well, Roku channels is, that, that you can put stuff on, but there's no there's no TV network. And look, the only time independent films have spiked and and got out there is when there's been a gap in Hollywood product. Whether it was the drive-ins and there was this regional stuff that Hollywood wasn't servicing, and these guys like Al Adamson, Sam Sherman, Roger Corman, these guys came in and made movies. Or when, like when you came in, Glenn, was when there was a glut of there was no glut of Hollywood stuff going into the rental stores, but they were booming, and Hollywood couldn't catch up, so they took all your movies. That's why you see all these rare things on VHS. Then it drops off at about you know the mid '90s when VHS started exactly. to die. See less in or the film. Or before that, even then, by, then the, by the late '80s, things became more sophisticated. Even foreign buyers became more sophisticated by the yeah. late the late 80s and said, we don't want this shit anymore. We well, want, because you know. they had the same problem. They needed products, so they were grabbing everything, and they were spending a lot of money because people were just renting anything because it was novel. And the same thing happened when DVD came out. Everybody went into the vaults. Everybody spent a lot of money on films that were you know buried for 30 years and remastered them and spent tens of thousands of dollars remastering them and making extras on these obscure Italian horrors and things and put them out. Well, and, and then that Synapse is still doing company. that. Well, Synapse does it. You know, they do it smart. They do it pretty much direct to consumer. They, you know, they're, they're, they're doing it, you know, they're, they're not putting, you know, 50,000 units in Walmart and getting them back. They're not doing that. They're doing, you know, it's pretty, right. it's pretty much direct to consumer. They go to shows, they're online, they're in minimal stores, stores where it's actually buying. They're not taking those risks that the indies were taking in the early 2000s with stuff, which put many companies out of business. When you get a million dollars in returns from Best Buy, it puts you out of business. So that's the only thing. Now, VOD might be that next frontier for indie films. And that's, you know, but even that's starting, you can feel it. They're starting to not just take anything, you know, because now Hollywood's on board with that. Speaking of novelty real quick, because this is something I was considering and I'm curious about, and I'd just like to get uh, all three of your guys' professional opinion as uh, distributors of these type of films. Uh, Real, probably like the last three years, VHS collecting has become a real novelty. Do you think there's any market for new micro-budget films to kind of get noticed to to do a, you know, of newer films to do a VHS release in this day and age? You, you want me to answer that? You just, missed, you just missed the boat on that. You just missed the boat on that, buddy. You're about two years too late. There, Go there's, ahead, Rob. There, there's, a, there's a small collector's market for that, and we've put out VHS, but, I mean, it's small. It's not, it's not a, it's a supplement. What I do is I take some of our more popular films and put them on VHS for that market to get more exposure for those, those films into a new demographic, but... I, I, you know, I don't see anyone moving over, you know, 100, 150 pieces at most uh, on something. Most of them that come out are very limited editions, numbered. It's it's really small, but it's cool. But it was a, been, it was a big deal though at the beginning, like a few years back. It, there was a real surge in that, and people were excited about it. But it's just falling off because yeah, about, it's died out already. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, about three years ago, there was a big, you know, a big push for it. There's been two or three, you know, there's been two documentaries released. There's a couple more in the works. I mean, it, it's definitely gotten a lot of attention, but a, a business viability, it's not there. I'm, I'm, I can tell you, as someone who got VHS into distribution into stores, it's just not there. You know, it's there, it's there, there's something, but if you're looking to build a business on that or say, well, I'm going to do a movie only on VHS, 
well, there are a couple hundred people will see it and then they'll upload upload it to a torrent or something. Yeah, I mean, that's the way it'll get seen, but it's not a it's not gonna get into retail stores, traditional ones. It'll get into mom and pops and small record stores who get it, who who get that it's a cool thing. And yeah, and, and I think it's definitely yeah an novelty factor. I mean, I've had a couple of VHS labels uh, that I've talked to about putting out a couple because uh, we haven't done, we're not going to do it in house because we don't have the setup for it. And, and like you know, Rob's saying it's not a huge market, so I, you know, we were going to partner up with a couple different VH levels from time to time, and uh, there's always kind of falling apart. And I think it's just strictly because it's just it's it's mostly pure passion going into it, and the guys you know it's, it, they're doing it on the side for whatever else they're doing, you know, and, and yeah. you know, and there's that kind of thing. But That's I mean, right. yeah, I mean, if you're going to produce them yourself and you've got you know a good social media fan base and stuff yeah you, you can sell a few signed copies for sure yeah you can make i well, mean lewis, look, lewis, i look at it lewis as a, justin did a good job good, did a good job with you know he started a few years back yep and picked up some old shot on video titles from the 80s and put them out on vhs and because he promoted it right and did the you know and he still even just with devil doll black devil doll from hell did did a lot of PR, a lot of marketing. You know, really went over all out. And he did he he did you know sold enough because the price point was so high that that he I, he was very successful at that during that time. Now, of course, I mean, he released my movie that that my my first uh, DVD release uh, was Replicator, which is you know Brett McCormick's movie that has Brink Stevens and. Gunnar Hansen, who shot on 35, by the way, and then uh, Lewis did a VHS release on that, and uh, you know, he made some money off of that, so he also did a VHS release on Bloodsuckers from Outer Space a couple of years back, and made money off that, and he's done, he did um, The Abomination, I think, uh, another movie Brett made. Oh, yeah, he's, he's, he's done five, a ton, five, but he's he moved, he, but he's moved into DVD distribution with the films, too, so exactly. now he's he, you know, he realizes, uh, you know, that there is, there, you know, you have to do that market. So it's only so far you're going to get with VHS. But it's a cool, if you can find a label that will do one for you uh, alongside a VOD or DVD release, that's a that's a cool uh, little bonus, you know, and, because we're all fans of that stuff. One other thing I wanted to kind of talk about, which I think kind of segues in well with the VHS thing, is that, you know, when you have a brand new indie horror film with no names in it, you know that is a really tough sell. I mean, you you you're basically starting to have to create awareness. Any catalog title that I release, even if it's a public domain title, has at least thirty years of some sort of awareness of the title. So you know, it's like literally, you know, I take a catalog title. There, you know, you know, like you know, any any weird old movie that's had a couple of releases. You know, there is some awareness of it in the cult movie community. You know, that's where right. you take a brand new movie, right. it's like you know, it's like you got to work twice as hard, maybe four times as hard to make you know a quarter of the and, money sometimes. And and you won't and you won't make it back. Not you know, eight times out of ten, it won't it won't break even because it's just so hard. That the you know, just always look at what you know a bigger company is doing to make you buy their film. They're spending millions of dollars in advertising. Even if it's a small release, they're spending millions. If it's a big release, well, they're spending you know a hundred million. You know, they're, it's on the cup at the store. It's it's everywhere you go. It's tied in with the fast food, whatever. So for a small company to do something like that with your film, they have to be very creative and and use whatever they have. So if you can get the rights to something, you know, like if you do have a, a catalog thing. And that's something people say to me all the time. Well, why don't you get the rights to this movie and that movie and blah, blah, blah. I mean, I prefer to break new talent. I, I like being associated with first-time filmmakers. They go into their second and third film. We have a few of those filmmakers. You know, we, we like, I like that. I get the thrill out of breaking talent. Somebody who might go on to 
you know, do some some bigger film someday. Might go work for Asylum or even higher than that. I it's, I have a Roger Corman complex. I like that. You know that. See, that I, feel, I have the more. Right I, I'm me. more like an archaeologist. I like to dig up old movies and find movies that people have forgotten and try and track down the negatives to. The and, and I love that. Yeah, I love that. I love that. I'm glad you're doing it. I'm glad people like Synapse and, and, and these other companies are doing that. And Shout Factory or, you know, who's ever doing this kind of stuff, archiving stuff, uh, remastering it, finding it. I love it. I have it. I collect it. But to me personally, like from a creative, it's like low-hanging fruit for me. I'm, I'm just not as interested in it, you know? It's like yeah, I, I'm, I, I'm the exact well, opposite on the new indie stuff. I'm, I'm exactly on the same page as Rob. I mean, I, I we're, you know right on uh, in the same wavelength there because for me the exciting part of it is somebody like uh, Joaquin Montalban made Legend of the Hillbilly Butcher and I have you know a relationship with him and I think he's very talented and I respect his work and I can see his art and I can see all these things in, in you know in his movie his talent his own personal creative expression and I want other people to see it I want to share it with other people and that means something to me. And there are several of the, those filmmakers. Whereas, you know, for me, that personal connection with the filmmakers, and plus the fact that, you know, I was on their side of the fence. You know, I've made a few movies myself, and um, that was what I, I always loved filmmaking, you know, forever. And I did it. And now here are these other guys that are making movies, and I'm getting, you know, that thrill vicariously through them. And I know Rob's exactly the same way on that. It's like we don't make movies, but. We, it's almost like we, you know, we do make movies because we take other people's, you know, babies and then we, you know, bring them to life and then show them to the public and get them out there. And it's like, uh, you know, we feel close to these movies. You know, it's like, um, for me, this is not just some, some, you know, widget that I can put out there and, and sell for a dollar. I mean, it's like, uh, it, you know, really means something to me, which is good because I'm not making any money off of it, you know, so, um, but I'll do I'll do everything I can to get to get it in stores to get it wherever it can go. But you know we only there's only so much we can do, and we're also uh, um, totally uh, um, oh I should say you know we have basically sales reps tell us what what we have to do. You know so um, we can't we can't just say here's the movie and here's what we're going to get it out there. We're going to I mean because some there's there's always a gatekeeper. There's always somebody. You know. Even though we're indie labels, we have to answer to somebody else. There's somebody that we have to present this to that says, well, this is not going to sell in stores unless you do this and this. And then we have to shape it to make that happen. Or you present it and, you know, your sales rep says, you know, this is not going into stores. I mean, I, I just released uh, Blackface Killer, which was originally called The Minstrel Killer, which is about a guy, in, you know, in blackface makeup and a minstrel costume that's like, you know, using slave torture methods to, to, to kill young women. And so um, that's not a movie that is really very PC. You know, you can't, um, everybody's scared to touch it. So basically, you know, I had zero cell support on that movie because nobody wanted to put it out anywhere, you know, even though I love the movie and even though I put it out on that, DVD. Hey, Glenn, did you take that to TLA? Did they go for that? No. Basically, uh, that goes... As you know, I mean, I have I have an exclusive deal with MVD, so that's where okay. it goes, and then, and then they take it from there, and it goes wherever they can. And literally, that that movie that's God did not it did not perform at all. I mean, yeah, there's there's been some sales, but it's it's a very small 
kind of one-off on Amazon or something. You don't, you know, usually it goes into at least some oddball, you know, mom, the remaining kind of mom and pop or, you know, cool record store, hit, yeah. If record store, video store, comic bookstores like Replicator went to, you know, you always get, you know, uh, a bunch of units to go to go to all those places. But with Blackface Killer, it didn't even go there because, you know, there's just this this fear to even promote it, you know, in the catalog because it's just like, oh my gosh, this is, we can't, you know, what's going to happen A Firestorm? I mean, I'm thinking about sending it to every chapter of, you know, the NAACP and then sending it to the, you know, uh, white supremacists and everything. See if somebody will just start, you know, we can start a big, you know. <laughs> there actually, there's, there, there, there's a group that hit me up for screeners that does reviews. On. I don't know if they're still around, but they're on my, and I, you know, I'm fine, you know, they can do their thing. They're called Soiled Cinema. And it's two S's, and they're uh, some neo-Nazi groups, but they like cult movies, so you know, you know that oh, well, might this be, will be uh, right there, Alan. <laughs> That's very bizarre. Exactly. I, 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 I want to let's take a quick time out from our movie topic today. Uh, I want to get back into uh, sales and distribution avenues in a second, but uh, before his voice completely goes out, uh, let's let's throw it to uh, our top newsman, Corey G, with today's news. What do you got, Corey? Apparently, Corey took a nap. Oh, sleep. <laughs> no, no news today. Everything's good. All right. So we'll skip the news for today. No, no, no. I'm, I'm here. I'm here. My mic was on mute because I was coughing. Okay. I got the entertainment news today, cousin. Oh, that's I great. Fits with our topic today. Number one movie at the box office, X-Men, Days of Future Past, $121 million uh, Memorial Day opening. I am not going to see it. I'm waiting for confirmation if Peter Dinklage gets stepped on by a sentinel. In other news, Godzilla plummeted 80%, thus proving it will not be the massive global juggernaut that the fantastic Roland Emmerich Godzilla movie made in 1998 was. I miss the guy in the rubber suit. I think we all do, cousin. Now I got a question for Rob. All right. Because I've been too quiet. I got a question for it. Now, seeing as how we're not close personal friends and you don't send me free movies, I actually have to purchase my films. And I'm looking through your catalog, and there's a movie there that struck my eye. It's called Race War. That's right. Yay. Race Can, War. Awesome. I love that. I love that movie. I've heard a lot of that. online chatter about that movie, uh, and I see it at a very reasonable price. It's like 12 bucks there on the Amazon what uh, what can you tell me sell. about that one, Glenn? You want to give it a, a little review for him? Because <laughs> if I give it a review, it's it'll sound biased because I'm but trying to sell it. it. Well, all I can tell you is that it, it is a terrific stoner movie, and it has some hilarious characters in it. And the the one black dude is just like I can't he, I can't stop laughing. I mean, it just it, everything he does, and it is so gritty and so cheap. I mean, it looks like it was shot on Super Eight, but there's just like some really wild, like sound effects, music cues, things that are just totally bizarre, and uh, the stuff, the shit that happens. I mean, it's sort of like you know, uh, you know, Harold, Harold and Kumar meets uh, um, Trailer Park Boys with with a two dollar budget. <laughs> I, mean, it's, I, I can't. I don't know what. What do you think, Rob? Am I on target or not? You're, no, you're on target. It, it, I mean, it's just, it's, it's batshit insane, and that's why I love it. But there's a ton of creativity in it. It's not just like a, you oh, know, yeah. a, oh, or yeah. like a trauma, it's not like a trauma movie, although you, you could compare it to that if you, if you don't, 
you know, if you just see it on the surface, you can say, oh, it's like a trauma quality kind of crazy movie. But, you know, it, it has some great, funny, funny, funny ideas in it. And there, there's, I, no, there's no wink, wink, nod, nod in it. There's no self-awareness like, oh, we're making this movie. It's like it is just like it's just there. You know, you right. don't get it's the like, feeling that, some, yeah, it's that like a somebody's feeling like black exploitation kind of uh, black exploitation zombie alien killer robot kind of thing going on you know it's just got this crazy crazy ass vibe and it never lets off and um, you know also it's you know it's it's not necessarily it, it's it's more modern than black exploitation I'm kind of just you know I'm, I'm doing it a disservice saying that it's a, it's a little more 90s influenced I would say very video game influenced there's a lot of like really cheap ass effects that are funny as hell in it it it's uh it's definitely and it and it's misogynistic it's you know it's every it's on pc it's racist i, I don't know what, what Dude, you, I, I think Corey's purchasing it right it's now worth, it's worth my 12 i think i think if you i think i think if you think if you like to watch movies you can get like to watch movies when you're stoned watch yeah. that's one to watch when you're stoned there's no doubt about it you can get it, it for like six it. on amazon you know if you if you look there, there's like I'm looking on it right now. There's like five ninety eight. You can get it for Amazon, on Amazon. Is not the company that made that? Is it like DWI or something like that? Oh, DWP. Yeah, DWP. Yeah. Tom, yeah, Tom Martino, DWP Productions. Yeah, they, oh, gonna, they have a new one that just came out called Cheese Balls. I was just going to ask uh, my old co-host, a friend of mine, uh, T-shirt Joe Garcia, is actually in the movie Cheese Balls. He's Tom's friend. Um, are you going to be putting that one out? No, no, no. <laughs> no. Glenn, Glenn was looking at that one, but no, no, we're not. I, I, I do want. To, I haven't seen the film, so I can't speak on anything about it. But I, it's, I got. It, it's almost like backward. It's like you know, uh, uh, Race War is so good. It's like it seems like they made cheese balls first before they knew how to make a movie. Because uh, I mean, Race War's got like a. It's got like a bunch of different locations. It's got a bunch of characters. It's got crazy stuff in it. You know, and then they do cheese balls, and it's just like they're in a vacant house. You know, making a movie, and I. I'm, you know, whatever. I'm sure somebody likes it. I think what's beneath the underground—that's their one title they put on their their VOD side. So, so yeah, so um, yeah, I think it's yeah, it's beneath the underground. Put it out, which is cool. I'm glad he found some kind of distribution for it. I mean, he he intentionally wanted to do something super lo-fi like that. You know, he didn't want to. He wasn't trying to, you know, uh, take it to the next level with that film. He was trying to go backwards a little bit and do that on purpose. Yeah, no kidding. In his, in his defense. I, I, will, I will say one oh, thing well, though they get they got a great cover for the DVD of Cheese Balls. It's great. Oh, it's like a it's like a spoof of the Goosebumps. Right? Yeah, yeah, it's great. It's yeah. Just the artwork and the layout is it, it really catches your eye, you know, which you don't see a lot in uh, you know independent DVD cover design. And, and what well, I just enjoy about... looking at the cover. Little... And what about <laughs> Alabama Sasquatch? You got to tell you, Alabama Sasquatch is coming up from one. <laughs> so, on the topic of race war. <laughs> Yeah, that's Ron's, yeah. That, Ron, that's one of the people that seen that. That's a good companion piece to pastries. Look at you plugging, man! This guy's always plugging. <laughs> every everywhere. Now we put out yeah, every every time you talk, Glenn. It's like, you know, we got one coming out called blah blah blah, and then you know well, because you, you you can't do that, Rob, because you'd have to like name thirty titles. You know, it's like I just you know I've got like you know half a dozen things under contract. If you did it, you'd be talking for the rest of the show about all your titles. I get no man. I mean, you got like you got you got your schedule lined up until like twenty twenty three. I mean, you know, you got you know, it's like uh, 
what do you got like the 75 80 titles under contract right now? at least at least 700 you know i figured it out the only <laughs> way to make any money is to put out 100 movies every month it's the only way to make any money. See, That's the way to you do don't it. put out. You, you don't. You don't put them out, though. See, the thing is, is those I have no money. Don't why, I have no you don't money. Why, the last ones don't make any money. Those, I'm gonna put them out. Why those? Why those fuckers are calling you up and saying, "Where's my movie?" You're like, what was the name of your movie again? Well, let me look on my computer and see if I can remember if I have the contract. Yeah, I gotta pull up my spreadsheet with all my times and release. <laughs> yeah. I got, oh yeah, I did. I'm oh, catching up to John. Oh, I do. <laughs> I do. Yeah, I do have that movie under contract. I'm sorry, I forgot. <laughs> Uh, one thing I want to talk about six, with, with all of us on here is, is stuff, and I think that's something that the ghost got going for him on his last film, is stuff that does work. You know, besides emulating uh, the look and sound of a Hollywood movie and putting a star in it, you know, what kind of stuff have you seen that does work? The stuff that I've seen that works um, time and time again, and not always is a result in great sales, but it definitely gets you for that retailer or that VOD guy to take the shot on it is, is the thing that's, that I've hit home runs with the most is, is, is holiday timing and timing with bigger feature knockoffs and, and spoofs, like where he's got the paranormal camcorder thing going. My number one seller is Hardware Wars. It's the, it's the movie that broke me into retail. We put out the 35th anniversary DVD. We're bringing out the Blu-ray. We just did the HD transfer. That movie sells and sells and sells because it's a parody of the most successful film of all time, you know, and it was the first one. Um, and, yeah, but and you know, I, see, here's here's what here's what Jonathan does is he puts like 420 on the front of everything and people buy it. <laughs> that's his technique. And that's this what is I a want. Four, this is a 420 movie. Oh, it sold out. <laughs> yeah, and, and the thing is, you know, the first movie I hit a, a big payday on cable VOD was the 420 triple feature. And when I talk to my sales reps, they tell me. We can't have a movie that's more than four years old. We got to have supreme, like, beautiful digital fucking masters of these things. And, you know, nothing can be public domain. You know, th th those are like the three criterias for, uh, for, for cable VOD. I sent them the 420 triple feature, which is three public domain, old, beat-to-shit, 16-millimeter transfers of uh, marijuana propaganda movies. And we land that on cable VOD because it was holiday times and it had really cool cover art and it made sense to those guys and, and the male market that the cable VOD serves. And yeah. so, I mean, there, there are these, there's these hard and fast rules that, that, that your sales reps and your guys will come up with, but you can break them from time to time. I didn't even mean to. That was an accident. I was just going to put that on. Well, but, but what you did say, Jonathan, one thing that's important to tell anybody who's making a movie is be sure you shoot it on high def. Because at this point, to even get it to go to iTunes, it's going to have to be a high-def file. I mean, that's just the, the deal now. When it goes to the aggregator, they're, the first thing they're looking at on the... Uh, we just... Um, I'll, 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 HD is very important, yes. I mean, for, for, for future, I mean, things, that's the way it's going. But we did just... I did just get your uh, 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 Children of Dracula on iTunes standard def. There's an exception. Uh, guys, if the concept is bigger than the content... Then you can always, you know, if you're like you said, if you're drafting off of a of a popular title, if the yep. you know the Batman's coming out and you got you know some kind of Batman related thing or a superhero thing, it, it, it they will make concessions to you to get that product up there because it's going to make them money. You see, that's always what it comes down to. It's not like do you exactly. have a great piece of art here? Is it going to make money? We you know we have a paranormal title coming out in September to draft off of Part Five, which is coming out in October. You know, and Walmart's looking at it. You know what yep. I mean? Like that, because it's that. There's no names in it. There's not, it's not, you know, I think it's a good movie, but it's not, you know, it's not changing the game as far as movies go. It's a well done, solid little film, but it's an indie film. But yet, all of a sudden, number one retailer in the country wants to see it 
because it's drafting off something that's going to be in theaters the following month. They know it's going to make at least some money for them. For them, not for me. They don't care if I make money. They want no. to know, is it going, what are you going to do for me? And that's so. the thing that I, you know, like I've noticed, you know, my, my widest release to date was my 420 friendly comedy special, which, by the way, I got into this as a filmmaker as well as Glenn. You know, I, I wanted to get a handle on the, on the, uh, the business side of things so I could make more movies. And uh, I made Halloween Home Haunts last year. And then this, this past year, I made, uh, I, I did, I produced this and directed this comedy special, the 420 friendly comedy right. special. And if you look at the stuff I do, you know, I, I, you know, it's not necessarily my, original ultimate vision of a horror movie that I re- you know which I plan to make still but you know the stuff that you see I, I apply what I learn on the distribution side to my new projects to try and uh, hopefully right. make something like that a live, will make me some a money, live you know? show or a documentary that kind of thing you're doing but one thing I have to say about Jonathan while everyone's listening is I, I've worked with him for a while and I've, I, I've you know he, he's doing uh, you know some VOD stuff for me and also print on demand of a, that, that Children of Dracula thing and uh, he always keeps me up to date with what's happening, and he always sends checks. I mean, I get mail from him, but I don't always open it because I figure, you know, it's going to be six dollars. I've told him before, <laughs> don't, 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 well, don't waste your money. Don't, well, don't waste something. your money on a stamp. You know, I mean, put it on, put it in on my Starbucks account. You know, my, uh, my so I can uh, buy coffee. But you no, know, but, but honestly, how- Jonathan always sends checks to me. So he's, he, you know, he's a he's a guy that won't just take your stuff and disappear you know thanks you know and 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 i see that a lot and there's a lot of distributors especially i don't especially in the horror movie side of things that just seem very unreputable um but you know that's my deal if you made more than a dollar i'm gonna send you your check you know if you made less than a dollar it gets rolled over to the next month because i'm not mailing it something's gonna you know you know uh some guys are surprised but you know and a lot of that stems from two is you know i mean this is what i do for a living so you know all the chicken scratch counts for me and the other thing, too, is since I work with a lot of older films and I work with filmmakers who've already been screwed a couple times, sometimes it's a really tough sell to get them to sign their rights over to a movie for anything. you know. And so so a lot of that is, is like, hey, listen, I've got a great reputation. You can talk to all the guys on my label. And, you know, yeah, I don't have a minimum. You know, as long as you make a buck, you get paid. That's the thing. But what if they talk to the people who didn't make money with you? You see that? That's the, the one drawback is that. I feel filmmakers or producers on the very low-budget level who haven't been distributed, let's say, are very uneducated about how 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 the filmmake you know the movie business is one of the most difficult in the world to make money. I know we all see kind of the glitz and the the stuff that's put in front of us to kind of lure us into it, but it, it, it's it's really one of the riskiest businesses in the world, and most investors won't go near it. So. How do you stop that? You know, me, I've got, you know, 20-something films out there flowing around. You know, some of those people didn't make money, you know, and I and I tell them why and I show them. But then what if a new guy goes to one of them and says, did you make any money? He goes, no, nah, I didn't make any money. And they might feel screwed or something. And you get you know, it's the and grumblings and, then, and you, you hear it. You know, it starts and to. I, th- I think Glenn kind of hit the nail on the head with, with just my level of communication with everybody. Because I, mm-hmm. I send my reports out of time every month, you know, and a lot of times they're negative. I mean, I've got some movies that are just tanked hard, you know. And, yeah. and the thing is, I keep guys in the loop and I tell them what's up. And the other thing, too, is, you know, I don't, I don't know how everyone else operates their businesses. But, you know, I mean, all my filmmakers know I deal with Allied Vaughn and MVD and Planet Works. They know who I – I'm not trying to keep some big shroud of secrecy on where your DVDs and your movies are going. They know how everything kind of works with me when, when they get on. And I tell them, you know, this is what's happening. Oh, we haven't been paid from this guy or, you know, whatever, whatever the deal is. Or, you know, yeah, your movie went to so-and-so and they all came back. You know, we've had a couple. You know, and that's the other thing, too. 
with the, with the holiday timing, you will get you will get retailers and you will get guys on board, and they because they're they're hoping they're going to make some money, and sometimes it doesn't work, man, and you get some shit back. So just be yeah. prepared on what well, you do there. Well, he's going to come back. You're going to get on average twenty five to thirty percent of your of your inventory back. I mean, that's just those are just the numbers. See, see now everybody in retail selling widgets or lawn mowers or bicycles or whatever, they know this. You know, for some reason, it's it's a big mystery to filmmakers that, you know, it, it's it's part of this whole bullshit story that you're sold that you're going to make a movie and the world's going to care and and you're going to be rich and the, here come the the beautiful women or and the cars and all this stuff and it's just not like that. It, it it's just it happens to one out of you know fifty thousand guys maybe you know and. And hopefully we're all going to be that lucky guy on one of these well, releases. Well, you can, and that's the lure of it. That's yeah. the lure of it, is that the next one you put is gambling. The next time I pull the handle, it's going to hit. And that's really what keeps you doing it, is knowing that you can have a hit. I mean, from a business perspective, that's really what you're doing. And, and for most distributors, they're throwing 50 films out there every quarter, hoping that something sticks. And that's really, it's really that numbers game that they're playing. But we we are not playing that game where we're at. We're more we're more parallel to the actual filmmaker. We're we're starving with them, alongside them for their art in a sense, because this is our art. This is something that we got into not just as numbers, you know, dollars and cents, which might be foolish to the outsider who looks at us as a business and says, Well, why would you do that? You know, chances are you're not gonna make money and they wouldn't get involved in it, but we do it for a different reason. And I think there's a real, you know, you have to think about it. Somebody's put all their blood, sweat, and tears and all their money and their family's money and their uncle, you know, whatever. All this to make this movie, scraped it together, and then they dump it on you. And they say, go go make some magic with this. And, yep. and it's, a, it's a lot of pressure to be put under. It really is. Yeah, <laughs> the, the amount of filmmakers, like you guys have touched on, the amount of filmmakers and product that's out there, it's created this sea. It's like everybody wants to be a writer, everybody wants to be an actor, everybody wants to be a director, but hardly <laughs> anybody wants to be a distributor, which is like why I'm so happy to have you guys here on the show is like to hear some of the passion on the other end because, you know, there's a lot of places where – you know, bigger companies, whatever, where it's like, those, you know, like I've been contacted just out of the blue from the IMDb listing from, you know, like big companies. And it's just that thing of just like, the, like they might call you and they might glance at it, but it's just that impersonal, like, oh, no thanks. Oh, we passed, whatever. Whereas like, it's good to finally hear that there's people on the distribution side who are really working hard and understand like the shoes that the filmmakers are in. You know, and, and I think this will come up. This is a good story. Uh, you know, I just released a movie called Making Off, which is a French movie uh, that is not dubbed. It's, it's got English subtitles, you know. And, you know, and, and the thing is, I don't put out a lot of new indie stuff. I put out some, you know, and, and it's got to really grab my attention. And, you know, and Making Off was one that I really enjoyed. And, you know, I, I know we talk a lot about the business decisions and stuff. And, you know, and Rob had actually looked at this movie, too. And Rob passed on it because he was like, man, it's going to be a tough sell, you know, a subtitled movie, you know, you know, brand new. And, and I was like, and you know, I picked it up, and I'm not typically the guy who's going to pick up, you know, the, the tough sell indie movie. But I really liked it, and, and, and I thought it was one that, you know, that spoke to me. And I was like, you know, whether this makes a ton of money or not, it's worth my time putting into it. And, and, and that's why I went and make it off. And so far, it's been doing pretty good, actually. We're, we're pretty happy with, with making and, and it off. And I'm very happy to hear that. Yeah, that's what happened. You know, it's a French film. It's subtitles. It's a found footage film. It's very well done. Yeah. I enjoyed it, and I was really on the fence about it. But eventually, I was like, you know what? And the and the guy was really eager to get North American distribution, 
But I, I was like, you know what? I can't. You, you know, it's like managing the guy's expectations. When, when you know, it's one thing when somebody you know, so, you know, somebody over here in like the suburbs of New Jersey makes a movie. They kind of get the uh, the temperature of the market in a sense. You know what yeah. I mean? They they get. But somebody in another country. When, when you give them North American distribution, it's like, oh, I've arrived. Because to them, North America's Hollywood. You know, they yeah. don't know any different. So I just felt like, you know what, I, do, I just don't want to disappoint this person, you know. And, and I've taken films from the U.K. and, and a couple other countries. But it, it's, it's very, for me, foreign films are very difficult because of that disappointment level if it doesn't perform. But I yeah, think yeah. you made a good decision taking it. I'm glad you took it, and I'm glad it didn't wind up in one of these, you know, meat grinder distributors or one of these sales reps that just sits on a movie for 10 years, you yeah. know, and, and never finds it a home, so. Yeah, but no, that, that's one of the things where it's like, you know, it's like at the end of the day, you know, it's like, you know, it's a tough job, but, you know, what, else, what the hell else am I going to do, you know? Like- yeah, but you did it, I, and I've done that too, where I've yeah. taken films that I knew weren't going to make money, but I just love that movie, and I'm like, I, I, you know, I know if I put my name on it, because that's what we're doing, right? We're, we're, ushering it to the to the market we're legitimizing that movie in a sense not that it's not legitimate but we're giving it a stamp saying yes somebody has chosen this we've put our own money behind it which we do we put thousands of our own dollars in every release and then get it out to market and and kind of stand behind it so you know you know sometimes you just take something because it's so damn good even though it might not have that market potential exactly and that's something that a business person wouldn't do. You know what I mean? Like a, a typical 100%, business yeah. person selling, selling widgets or something. You know, they're not, they're not going to do it. Unless they were so successful they could throw money away on pet projects and things. Yeah. One, one you know, thing. I'm oh, sorry. Go ahead. You know, I was going to say on a similar note, um, I did uh, live in L.A. for a while and I worked in the business. But I, you know, this is just something that people should know if you're interested in the movies. Is I worked, you know, I actually worked on crews. You know, I worked on... Big movies, little movies, music videos. I mean, I worked on the, the movie directed by John Schlesinger, who's an Academy Award-winning director for Midnight Cowboy. You know, drove him around the, uh, the Cul- Culver Studios, you know, lot on a, on a golf cart. And I can name, I can name, I can drop a whole bunch of names because I, you know, but I mean, the thing, the, the, thing, the thing I'm trying to say is, though, if you want, if there's something you want to do, you want to work in the camera department, you want to work in the art department, you want to work in, you know, whatever it is that you that you may be into, you could can move to L.A. and work in the business and make money. I mean, that's how people make money. They make money working on movies you know, on the crew and, you know, working their way up from, you know, a loader to, a, you know, second assistant, first assistant, you know, camera operator, DP, you know, and, and, uh, I mean, I know people that when I, when I, uh, you know, a good buddy of mine that was a key grip, you know, is now like directing tons of TV and making a buttload of money. Another guy who's, who was a DP back then is now like, you know, a executive producer of, you know, some, some of these police procedural shows. I don't know what, what, I can't remember which cop show it is, but you know, it's, it's like you just, you go out there and you work, you know, you work in the biz, you work your way up and you know, you're going to end up, uh, somewhere and, and you're going to be working on jobs and making money. And the pay is really good on, on, uh, if you get on, even on non-union shows, but then, you know, at some point you're going to get on a movie that's non-union and it's going to go union and you're going to sign up and you're going to start making a bundle of money. So, that is an option. I know we're talking about, you know, being in, you know, wherever the hell everybody is in Canton, Ohio and making a movie. And that's, you know, 
awesome, but you know, it is, that is totally separate than what's going on in the film industry, which is based out of, in Los Angeles. Now, on the other hand, as Rob and I have discussed, you know, all the, the indie little indie filmmakers in LA, we don't even want to deal with because they're just so, you know, out of touch with reality. But in terms <laughs> of the, but in terms of the industry itself, though, you can go there. I mean, I when I moved there, within a few weeks, I was working on a Prince music video in the art department. And after that, you know, it was just on one crew to the next, and then I moved into production office work, and then, you know, I mean, I was like, uh, you know, set dresser and everything else, and it's just, you know, you, you're just, you get to know uh, a certain production designer or certain people that like just bring you from one show to the next, so everybody just keeps working, and um, uh, so you can do that, but I'm saying, I know most people don't want to do that, because that's, you know, it's just, I want to make films, I want to be a filmmaker, but... Um, the thing about that also, the other, the, the other uh, point is that when you're out in L.A., you know, I mean, I know for, for a fact from being there, on the one hand, every valet parker has a screenplay and everybody working behind the counter at, you know, 7-Eleven. But also, every time you meet somebody on a movie that you're working on who's just another PA or who's whatever the hell they are, and they're related to somebody and they know somebody, I mean, I... A friend of mine worked on one movie, you know, his dad was the creator of Police Woman back in the, you know, with Angie Dickinson. You know, it's like you've got all these kids out there who grew up with parents in the business, you know, and then you get to know them and then they introduce you to somebody and, and you meet somebody and you're having lunch with somebody, coffee with somebody and you meet somebody at a party, you know, and, you, and, and you've got a script and you talk about it and you, maybe you get to partner up with somebody else who's already written a script. I mean, those are the kind of people that actually get into the business, they make it and they make money. Because the rest of us who are out, you know, I mean, I'm in Dallas, Texas, for God's sake. I'm not going to make it in the movie business as long as I'm in Dallas, Texas. If I wanted to stay in L.A., which I could have, I would probably be, uh, you know, I'd be a producer and doing whatever I had to do and making some money. But, uh, you know, I probably wouldn't be passionate about the work I was doing, but I'd be making a living and doing okay. So, um, you know, it's just you decide what you want because, I mean, you can... You make these these do-it-yourself movies, and the, the likelihood is that nothing's ever going to happen. But if you're serious about the movie business, you know, go go to LA. I can give you, you know, there are probably a hundred people who who didn't make it for everyone who did. And I know tons of people who went out there and lived there for years, like I did, and you know, ended up, you know, going into some other business. But you know, but then I know other people that I worked with who made it. So. Um, you just got to think about what your priorities are and what you're trying to do. If you're going to make movies for a hobby, then, you know, yes, stay in uh, Michigan or something or wherever and, and make a, you know, get out your camera and make a movie with your friends in the backyard. But, uh, but drop the Hollywood expectations. Correct. Well, right. k- kind of going along with what Glenn's saying, uh, I've made two films. One was in Cincinnati, Ohio. The other was in Los Angeles. And I can say... It's it's a real trade-off for filmmakers out there. If you want to be able to like run down the street and do crazy stuff and do whatever, like stay 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 in the Midwest or wherever you are, because you'll be able to film and do whatever you want. Uh, how on the other hand, though, if you really have a piece that you know requires actors, I mean, geez, you need to be in LA because there's so many like people don't understand. They think the only talented actors are the ones that are in big mainstream movies making millions of dollars. And it's like, the truth is, is there's lots of people, you know, doing small roles that you'll never notice, but you can get them for literally nothing. I mean, if you're friendly with them, of course, all you got to do is put an ad in drama log and say that they get, they get meals and a copy of the movie and you'll get good actors 
will show up and you'll have a bunch of people who will audition and you'll be able to guess some of those people. Now, the thing I should say about, though, being able to run down the street and do whatever you want, I made a movie called uh, Among the Dead, which is a neo-noir psychodrama. I don't know who's seen it. I can't remember. I, Rob probably hasn't seen it yet. But um, but anyway, if somebody's going to see it. I'm going to start sending it out anyway. But, uh, but the thing is, is that I shot part of it in L.A. and it's called Hollywood Deadbeat. Now I've recut it. But uh, I shot scenes of the main character in his underwear walking down Hollywood Boulevard, you know, tilting up from the Orson Welles star up, and here comes the main character walking his underwear. I shot scenes in the Hollywood Memorial Cemetery, which is now called Hollywood Forever, where all the old movie stars and producers and directors from old Hollywood are, are buried. It's like right on Santa Monica at, uh, near, I don't know, Beachwood Canyon or something like that. But... Um, but anyway, you know, I we went out, we just you know did some second unit stuff and just took the Bolex and snuck around and shot all over the place. And what uh, friends of mine who are producers out there, I was like, we're going to go to Hollywood Boulevard. We're going to go early in the morning when there's nobody there. And they said, no, don't do it. Go in the middle of the day when it's busy and the cops will never see you. So um, you know, just hide, just take a, make sure your camera's small. You don't have a lot of people. <laughs> hanging around because it was like for us is whenever we were about to get kicked out we finished and left so um supposedly go confiscate your equipment i you know i don't know but you know i mean yeah i I, i'm in northern california you know i'm about seven hours away from uh, hollywood and uh even here i mean like before uh i started the distribution label side of apprehensive films i was just making shorts and stuff i mean i I was doing freelance camera work and editing here uh, and enough enough projects came through town where i've worked on multi-million dollar projects to come through so you don't have to even quite be in la i mean sacramento and the bay area gets a lot of overflow from los angeles productions and you can all you know i mean for me if i have to go to la it's not a far drive so um you know that's yeah. the other thing you know you stay outside a little bit of la maybe save on your rent and then drive in yeah that's just and another what i was going to say though about about shooting and and, and not getting caught uh, the whole DSLR thing is, is great because if you don't and hook the it up, cameras are so small. If you don't hook it up to some big rig, which you know you may, which is what everybody does, and they put it in that big cage and put the, all that shit on it, it looks like a big deal. But if you want to go outside and shoot some stuff and not get caught, you can take your DSLR out there, and they just think you're shooting pictures. So um, you know, unless you're like firing guns and stuff like that, but you know, you can do do muzzle flashing, you know, in the in post, and so you could be running down the street, which is, you know, Michael Fredinelli, who did the plot this killer, is great about, you know, he's up in San Jose, and he does, he, he does chase scenes, he does car chases, he does people, like, running right through major public places, you know, and basically just shoots it and and gets the hell out of there, you know, and, it, and it, it, it's amazing, it works. Rob, you watched that, that little uh, documentary, didn't you, that... Um, with um, Michael Fredinelli, the way he works... No, no, I never got the movie. Oh, well, forget it then. I'll send you a copy. I've seen, I've seen the film. I saw it in Vegas. I well, I have, I, have the, I, have it right, I have it right in front of me. I have that right next to Race War. So, anyway. you want, do you want me to send you a couple bucks for the shipping? Are you, are you all right? No, no, no. You just sent me five movies. I've got to come sit Cash my royalty check, Glenn, and send him the movie. There you go. Look at that. <laughs> it's, full, it's full circle. We're all counting. Full circle. I got it. I think I have a I have an envelope, a couple of envelopes here from Jonathan, but I I just I'm, they're on my desk somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I think there's they're in, in, in the stack of all these envelopes with contracts. I keep everything so uh, so well organized. <laughs> I should send you a picture of my office. No, I'm kidding. Don't you don't want to see it? 
Uh, I've seen I've seen Rob, Rob's office is like you know just like a Hollywood producer. I mean Hollywood. <laughs> yeah. I've seen it. I mean it's like it, it's it's. <laughs> when did you When did you see? Oh, you know, you got like you've got like contemporary furniture. You got a big waiting area, and you got like oh you know, yeah oh yeah all the leather furniture. And shit. Yeah, it's got the the Mies van der Rohe chairs, and you've got right. you know frame posters it, all along the walls. Hey, listen, uh, you know, if we visualize it, it might actually happen. I like that. It's like the secret, you know? We'll just uh, put pictures of those things on the wall, and I'll look at there it. There you go. Day, and it'll happen. Put that on your, like that. your dream board or whatever. I like, your, I like your perception of me. I'm actually in my car right now on my computer in the Skype here, you know, where I live in my car. <laughs> That's dedicated. Are you, are you far? I, I, I am actually, I'm idling because it's it's so uh, hot here that I have the AC on, but I'm running out of gas. <laughs> oh, jeez. Well, well it, it, we're about up, right? Or, yeah, yeah. It's, it, it's, so. a, it's a good time. We're coming to... Oh, it's only an hour? Oh, jeez. Yeah, it, it, it's, a, it's a good time for us to start wrapping up. But before we do, I just want to make sure we go around and everybody talk about where our listeners can find your stuff, you know, you're talking about your companies and, and, you know, how, and maybe some projects that you really want people to pay attention to. Uh, uh, you want to go ahead and start Rob? Yeah, sure. Uh, again, we are wild eye releasing and you can get us at wild or wild eye. That's E Y E wild eye DVD.com. Um, we, we have, uh, right now in Walmart, we have a film called Scream Park, which is a, a small slasher homage, which is uh, really, really fantastic. It's got Doug Bradley in it uh, from Hellraiser. Trailer uh, looks trailer. great, by the way. Yeah, yeah, it's, a, it's just a lot of fun. And it's our first, uh, you know, nationwide Walmart deal, <clears throat> you know, and, uh, you know, because I had a name actor in it, basically, is what it came down to. But, uh, you know, we'd love for people to go out there and support us uh, picking that up. Uh, we have a great film coming out in July called The Perfect House, uh, which stars Felissa Rose and Jonathan Thierston from Sleepaway Camp. It's a horror anthology, a uh, very, very good-looking film, very brutal film. And then uh, we got, coming up later in the summer, President Wolfman. Wow, sounds good. Which is amazing. It's a Mike Davis movie who did Sex Galaxy and Pervert, if you remember those movies. Uh, it's, it's a totally green film. It's 100% recycled footage. It is the uh, the Werewolf of Washington, the public domain film, re- recut and re-dubbed with like comic. Uh, oh, with you know, comic Dean, story. It's kind of like Dean you know, Stockwell, Dean Stockwell, and Michael. Dunn. Yeah, with Dean Stockwell. Yeah, but there's all kinds of new footage in there, but it's all PD kind of footage. It's quite brilliant how they put it all together, and it's, and it's hilarious as well. So that's uh, you know that's some some of the some of the gems coming up. Nice. Glenn, yeah. you want to talk a little bit about Whack Movies and where we can find uh, your stuff? Yeah, whackmovies.com. You can look there. I don't I, I haven't uh, I don't have any real updates. There is stuff on there you can look at. Uh, let me think what's happening. Uh, uh, July is that I'm releasing the uh, 30th anniversary limited edition uh, Bloodsuckers from Outer Space with uh, first time ever interviews from the two leads, uh, which is pretty cool. And September is Legend of the, the Hillbilly Butcher, which is a terrific movie. Won a bunch of awards at uh, Polygrind. And November is Skinless, which is a pretty awesome, gory uh, movie that, that very slick. And yep. after that, and then I got Revolution Six Six Six, which is a you know a, a slasher movie with uh, a guy in a walrus uh, costume, and. 
uh, let me think about this. Adam, the amazing zombie killer, uh, is coming up, and that's a really fun, cool movie that some guys made in uh, Denver that, you know, a lot of it takes place in a bowling alley. It's a very funny uh, kind of, you know, sophomore humor, lots of good gore and uh, good production value. It's nice. And then, of course, I, you know, I have to mention uh, Alabama Sasquatch, but, you know, uh, all, <laughs> all I'll do is say the title because I haven't decided when to release it because I have to find out when will be a good time for me to go totally broke. So, uh, <laughs> but I am going to the cast and crew screening on Saturday night, so it should be funny. And I'll, I'll tell you, it's going to be at the Holiday Inn Express in Ennis, Texas. Nice. So, if you want to see some, like, you know, back, backwoods redneck uh, action, that's, that's where it's going to be happening. <laughs> and I can't. And they're all going to be drunk and stoned, so it should be lots of fun. Uh, Sounds like it's going to be a rocking screening for sure. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. I have to go there. Will you fly me out, Glenn? Uh, I'll consider it. I need. Yeah. I don't want. I don't want to go alone. But uh, <laughs> anyway, so yeah, but whack movies. Just keep keep up with whack movies and anything. It's just like you know, with Wildlife. Anything we put out is and Jonathan. It's all over the place. You can you know you'll see it. And just look it up online, and you know it's uh, everything's on Amazon and a bunch of other. You know, we pretend that it's at you know Barnes and Noble and those kind of places because they always list it, even though they don't have it. But <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it looks like we're big shots because our stuff is in every store online. Yeah, but that that, back, that backfires because then you get a filmmaker who says, "Well, well, I'm on I'm on Target dot com. Uh, you must have sold thousands of them." Yeah. No, they never bought one copy. Are you kidding me? Yeah, yeah so all back- went through AEC. They have no idea. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's what, and that's why we don't tell them that because it looks like we're getting their stuff everywhere. But then on the other hand, you're they, right. They look, they look, and then they, their friends tell them, "Hey, I saw your thing on cable VOD. I didn't rent it, but I saw it there." And then I get the phone call. Oh well, it's on the Verizon. I must have made uh, fifty thousand dollars already, right? I'm like, <laughs> yeah. well, that's well, three yeah. people rented it. I'm sorry to tell you. Availability and sales are two different things. But it is captioning alone costs too much than what your rentals were. Yeah, yeah. Oh, how many times has that happened? Oh, close captioning. Oh, Jonathan, you want to take a second and tell us a little bit what you got going on at Apprehensive Films right now? Yeah, Apprehensive Films. uh, You know, always keep up with us on the main website at afcinema.net. You'll see the posters for stuff coming and whatnot. But uh, our direct sales website is thegrindhouse.net with the word the in it, thegrindhouse.net. you can pick up Making Off on DVD. We always usually have our stuff a little bit cheaper than where you can get it at most of the online places if you buy direct. Uh, we got Monsters from Beyond the Sun on pre-order, a 1960s sci-fi horror classic uh, on our on our sub-level, the uh, Midnight Man uh, Midnight Matinee line. Um, and then the other thing too that we're doing really exciting that I, I'm, I'm amped up about uh, right now is that we are we partner with VHX. And we are starting to offer downloads and uh, digital streams on the website. So right now, the first title up is Halloween Home Haunts. You can uh, stream that and download it from thegrindhouse.net. So that's really exciting. We're going to be adding uh, plan is one title a week until we've got the whole catalog up. So um, of all the stuff that we've got the digital rights to, which is, you know, it's quite a few titles. So uh, check out thegrindhouse.net, and, uh, and you can buy DVDs or stream them if you want. Nice. Uh, I was looking into VHX. I'm, I'm glad you said that. I'll ask uh, you about that offline. Yeah, so far they they're great. Uh, you know, and and they you, I can upload movies via Aspera, which I used for you know the cable VOD stuff. So I'm already it was already like it's like a done deal. It's like I just sign up. You know, and and matching the uh, their spec masters are pretty easy. There they've got they've got pretty decent uh, you know normal 
requirements for their, uh, their 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 masters is not something crazy where you got to supply 18 different files or something, you know. So uh, so far VHX and they and they get back to you like right away, you know. So they're they're uh, I think they're they're a good a good platform. Nice. That sounds good. We'll talk. Sounds good. We'll go, we'll go ahead and wave goodbye to all our listeners here. I want to thank everybody for listening to us on your drive to work, or maybe you're just want to thank everybody for coming on the show too. Yeah, for sure. Especially as a filmmaker myself, it's it's good to hear some of these war stories of what it's like on the distribution side. And I hope people, you know, summer's a time for big blockbuster Hollywood movies, but it's also a time for small movies too. I mean, there's just, there's a whole world of stuff out there. That if you just kind of scratch the surface on the internet, there's lots of people like Glenn, Rob, and Jonathan just got waiting for you. So please go out and whatever you know, whatever you're into or whatever, look out there. Try to support an independent film. Try to support a smaller film because these filmmakers really need your help. And there's just a lot of talent out there that I don't think people really realize. You know, in the world of filmmaking, there's a lot of you know, there's a lot of stuff Hollywood puts out that, frankly, gets boring and it's it's all kind of the same stuff. But these guys, they got stuff ready. For for you that's unique it's interesting and you know a lot of people like we said before a lot of people put their blood sweat and tears in so thank you thank you guys thank you glenn rob jonathan thank you thank for coming you guys on. thanks for having uh I, hey, I, I do want to say that i want to say this though as far as, as indie labels are concerned mm-hmm. there really there really are only three reputable ones so <laughs> okay okay not us Keep that in mind. You know, you're talking to Give us. Give me their names. So so nobody, nobody else. Nobody. We don't. Nobody else is included in this. It's a, we're, it's, it's, a, it's our own club. We have. Okay. Let's, anyway, hey, let's let's all stick together. Let's not uh, get clickish here. Let's all stick together. Goat, if you have any, I'm sure I speak for Glenn. If you have any questions about your films coming up, just email. Glenn or myself, and and we'll give you the scoop on what's what's going on. I will for sure. Thank you yeah, guys. It's great. Here. It's yeah. great talking to you guys, and and uh, you know, hopefully, it's some other point down the road, we can have you on again when you guys have some new stuff to talk about, or just because yeah, there's like a million questions, you know, and interesting things going on, and it's nice kind of peeling the curtain back here, and I think people will like kind of hear a little bit of what goes on behind the scenes of all these movies and stuff. So, thanks again, guys. Everybody. Have a good day at work. Take care. And we'll see you again next time on the Slow Hand Radio Morning Zoo Crew. You're listening to the Electronic Media Collective Podcast Network. Yeah, it's a mouthful. For more great shows, visit electronicmediacollective.com.